The proconsul pressured him to deny Christ and swear to Caesar, but Polycarp refused. For eighty years I have been his servant, and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Swear by Caesar's fortune, the proconsul shouted. If you imagine that I will swear by Caesar's fortune, as you put it, pretending not to know who I am, I will tell you plainly, I am a Christian. The proconsul threatened. I have wild beasts, I shall throw you to them if you don't change your attitude. Call them. If you make light of the beasts, I will destroy you by fire. The fire you threaten burns for a time, and is soon extinguished. There is fire you know nothing about, the fire of judgment to come and of eternal punishment, the fire reserved for the ungodly. But why do you hesitate? Do what you want. Polycarp has confessed that he is a Christian, the proconsul announced to the crowd. This fellow is the teacher of Asia, the father of Christians, the destroyer of our gods, who teaches numbers of people not to sacrifice or even worship. Welcome to the These Days Podcast. We apologize if you hear the sounds of bombs exploding on the streets above, because we are in our underground <laughs> shelter. The bunker! <laughs> the, the bunker. <laughs> no, uh, we are uh, in a different studio today mm-hmm. uh, for the These Days Podcast. This, of course, is Ben and Dwayne coming at you. Yeah, hello. And we are in this little underground um, sort of space because yes. it's so... Two reasons. It's so hot in the spare room today. <laughs> and if you heard our last episode, you heard some really, really nice accompaniment from the neighbor's <laughs> weed whacker. Yes, so that's right. we decided to move, and it really does feel like we're in an underground bunker. Like, it does. Like maybe we're in the Blitz and World War II, yeah. like we're in the middle of history. Too bad yes. that that has nothing to do with the period of history we're talking about today, but yeah. I am excited to oh, talk sorry, about it. Oh, sorry, friend Rip Winston would say, we will never, never, never <laughs> give up. <Yeah. laughs> so we... <laughs> We will uh, we will be talking about something pretty exciting today, uh, even though it has nothing to do with World War II. But first of all, let me just say that you can join us on the Patreon at patreon.com slash we'll be going now. And you get extra aftercast episodes called We'll Be Staying Now that are exclusively per- for Patreon supporters. We just recorded one of those, didn't we? Yes, we yeah. did. It was really fun. We get to talk about all kinds of cool things that we can't go into detail in yeah. on the episode. Yeah, it's kind of free for all. It's very yeah. free for all. We have a yeah. good conversation, a good discussion, yeah. and um, and it's just really fun. So join us at patreon.com slash we'll be going now. You can get access to those, all kinds of swag, and you help us to grow the podcast and do even more cool things that we'd love to do. Yeah. So with all that said, I'd love to hear what that cold open is about because that is really intense well, stuff. Yes. Well, it... it um you know, the reality is is that this is why the 
these days podcast really is better than a time machine because <laughs> that was like Hollywood level. It really was. Yeah. yeah, yeah description yeah. Yeah. of the trial of a man named Polycarp, yeah, the Bishop I, of Smyrna. I was pretty sure I was right there. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. I was, I was surprised that they had American accents, but you know, we don't yeah, know what they sounded well, like. Yes. Yeah. But the first part of what you said really makes me feel good, Ben, because you're the actor <laughs> in right, the family. Right, okay. Yeah. So, but uh, Polycarp was uh, from 69. He lived from 69 to 155. That was his trial in 155 before his martyrdom. And, you know, trial in quotes, right? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, 69. I mean, think about that. That's only like 33 years after, or between 33 and 36 years after, uh, you know, Jesus. Yeah, so, that's amazing. Yeah. So, um, uh, or, or rather, I, I should say 30, uh, 39 years to 36 years. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the question of the podcast today is, it just builds right upon the last week's podcast about the intertestamental period. Because the question is, is okay, Jesus comes, uh, and we, we kind of thoroughly uh, dealt with sort of the biblical New Testament uh, era in the aftercast, sort of some of the things that went on there as a result of the intertestamental period. So if you want to hear that, you can join us on Patreon yep. and get access to that one. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because they probably haven't heard that yet. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. The question I have in my mind, it's kind of bugged me for a long time, and then I you know started reading it in books and so forth, is how in the world did Christianity make it out of the first three centuries? Yeah. Because it starts small, right? So there's a, there's a book called uh, How the West Was Won, The Neglected Story of the Triumph of Modernity, but in it, Rodney Stark, uh, we've mentioned him before, historian, died during the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, uh, historian, and uh, became a Christian when he wrote his book, The Rise of Christianity, by what he saw in Christians' lives, caused him to become a Catholic Christian. And so he, anyway, he uh, he writes this book about uh, what happened in the first three centuries, and, 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 it, and then on beyond that in uh, modernity. But it explains a lot, so we're going to go into it. There's going to be a lot about persecutions, like we heard from Polycarp. But the, I want to encourage everybody to kind of take a step back and realize that, that that's not only what this is about. But the reason I keep linking it to the um, intertestamental period is because, as Stark says, uh, Jerusalem's rational God uh, it, it links up with Greek philosophy that, that the... Uh, you know the Jewish uh, view of, of God and, and uh, a God of order and so forth links up with uh, Greek philosophy uh, 400 years or 300 years before Christ and really sets up what happens after Jesus is born. Yeah, so there's a you, we talk about in the intertestamental episode like the Hellenization or yes. the, the coming in of Greek culture into Jewish yes the Jewish society. Yes. And there there was this sort of like in, inter um this conversation between Jewish theology and understanding of God and um and Greek philosophy. Yes. Which is why we get things like the beginning of the book of John in the beginning was the word. The word was a was a Greek philosophical idea that had been adopted by the Jewish faith. Right. Yeah. And and uh and that's, you know, like even Justin Martyr, that fits in what he says. Justin Martyr was from 100 to, 100 to uh, 165. Yeah. Uh, you know, the reason he's called Justin Martyr? Why? Because he was martyred. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, okay. anyway. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that fits right into the podcast, too. But here's the interesting thing. He called the Jewish prophets and the Greek philosophers, he called them as if they are, he said, he referred to them as 
uh, Christians before Christ. Wow, Even, including the Greek philosophers. Yes, that's like kind of how he did it. and stuff. Yes, I mean that's what that's what Saint Jack would be all over that. He he thought yes. he he thought the that um, Plato was like yeah. a, a, was a was a god given. Uh, voice in the history yeah. of philosophy, yeah. yeah, and and I think there's some biblical connotations to that. That God came, at, uh, Christ came at just the right time. Yeah, and we're, to be clear, we're not equating Greek philosophers nope. with Christ, or even saying that uh, the revelation, the general revelation they receive, is sufficient for salvation. But we are saying that there seems to be some sort of um, interplay between these ideas. Yes, yeah. that's right. And Stark says it this way, the Christian conception of God as the rational center of a comprehensible universe, who therefore expects that humans will become increasingly sophisticated and informed, continually prodded the West along and the road to modernity. So he's saying what we've received today in terms of understanding and even the enlightenment through that and, and some of the other things we've talked about recently in the podcast, that comes from the Christian conception of God. As a, as, a, as a rational creator of a comprehensible universe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it may be the largest faith system today, uh, Christianity, but it didn't start out that way, especially not in the world's eyes. Yeah. Um, uh, Stark believes that uh, the most beneficial aspect of the Roman Empire is that it fell <laughs> and left a growing Christian movement in this place. Wow. Uh, and, and that's kind of the story of this whole podcast of what happened over the next 300 years after Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, that he was crucified and uh, the resurrection and ascending into heaven, uh, which was viewed as all one event, by the way, by the early Christians. Yeah. But in the aftermath of the crucifixion, there were less than 200 people believed uh, who believed in Jesus. So it looked, we see that... At, at, See that in Acts one uh, fifteen. I mean, we know that for at least, but shortly thereafter, uh, 3,000 believe, uh, that sort of thing. So people are waiting to try and figure out what is this that has just happened in Jerusalem. But within a year, there were probably tiny congregations all uh, through Rome, maybe up to seven of them, house churches. Wow. There, because people were migrating from uh, Jerusalem, where they were beginning to be persecuted, uh, to uh, Rome, where they continued to be persecuted, as we'll see, but not right away. Was it, was the persecution in Jerusalem first first at the hands of the Jewish rulers? Yes. Or, and so yeah. so persecuted by the Jews in the Jewish leaders in yeah. Jerusalem, they go to Rome and become persecuted by the Roman leaders. Yeah. Is that true? A few decades later, really, it got intense, wow. but we'll, we'll see that. But, but and then let's, to be fair to the Jewish leaders, uh, they were in cahoots with Rome. They were right. trying to keep things calm. Yeah. Um, and by the time Paul writes Romans, uh, uh, 57 AD, that's when there were at least seven house churches wow. uh, in, uh, in Rome. And and so that's the hub of the known universe for the the empire, yeah. right? And uh, Christianity had probably already penetrated the aristocracy. I, I, there's this sort of myth that Christianity was only for the poor and downtrodden and the slaves and so sure. forth, but that's not true. Uh, some of the first people were the aristocracy, who you know some of their servants and so forth communicated Christ to them, the brave ones, and they found themselves uh, following Christ. So yeah, uh, and eventually in the cities were Christianized and. Uh, the word pagan back in that day uh, originally meant uh, country rube. 
<laughs> it, it didn't necessarily. It didn't necessarily. Have, well, I mean, it, it had a religious context sure, because they didn't yeah. believe in all that stuff. They yeah. didn't believe in the Roman gods. They didn't believe in anything. Uh, and so they they would come to the cities, and that's where they found Christ. That's where they found the Christians. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of a book called um, "The Lost Letters of Pergamum." Oh, I think yeah, I've mentioned yeah, yeah. on the podcast yeah, before. That's a good one. It's fictional, but it's by Bruce Longenecker, who's a New Testament. Oh, it was scholar. a Witherington. Uh, and, and and by uh, oh okay gotcha I, no there's Bruce Longenecker I think Ben Witherington writes the forward gotcha yeah but um but uh, it's about Antipas mm-hmm. who who is quoted in the new or referred to in the New Testament as the bishop of someplace I can't remember yeah but so he's a bishop but he starts out as like a a, a Roman civic leader like a politician a local yeah. politician so very clearly like one of these early converts is one of these aristocratic kind of leaders yeah yeah. And one of the, I was going to say unfortunate, but God actually uses it to bring his salvation or his message of the good news, the gospel, to the entire world, Yeah, is that in very short order, um, there there were martyrdoms that started. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about sort of these waves of martyrdom, because here's the thing, there's sort of this myth that every single Christian in every single neighborhood and every single city was constantly persecuted from the get-go. Right. And that's not true. People look down on them, yes, and in and, and various places. It's sort of like today. Like, we, we get given a hard time because we're Christians by some people, and other people go, oh, good for you, kind of stuff like that. And, sure. And there was some of that. Um because frankly, the Roman Empire was surprisingly open to religions. It just they became challenged and not open at all to Christianity over time, which we'll see. But and is that is that specifically because of the Christian claim of Jesus as a not not just a religious authority, but as as an authority that supersedes Caesar. Yes, an exclusive authority. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll see some of that toward the end of the podcast as to why did this happen and why was it so effective mm-hmm. in terms of uh, you know taking down Rome. Really, wow. So they didn't realize that it was kind of undercutting them to the level it was, but. Um, so we saw in a few podcasts ago that the apostles were martyred, mm-hmm. uh, most all of them except for John. Yeah, and, you loved that, didn't you? Oh, Hearing yeah, yeah. Some of that stuff. Some of that, in fact, because of that, Ben, I'm going to give a warning to any parents that have this on in the car in just a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, some of those people were martyred in other parts of the world, right? Like Persia and stuff. It wasn't the Roman Empire. Right. So uh, Polycarp, we already heard about him from 69 to 155. The next one was Justin Martyr, 100 to 165. I heard about him. Um and uh, and there's this story that Justin Martyr talks about of this woman during that time who wanted a divorce because uh, her husband, uh, but but she, but she she tried to um, she tried to share her faith with her husband. She became a Christian, and he didn't want anything about it to do with it. So he goes to the authorities because she's trying to divorce him, and, he, and she winds up on trial. Yeah. Her pastor is. Um, is is uh, brought in on the trial, so he winds up being sent off to martyrdom, or, or uh, he's he's uh, convicted and uh, and uh, charged with uh, he will be martyred. And then there's this there's this guy in uh, in court um, who stands up. His name's Lucius, and he goes, "That's not right. That's not fair. This is against the law of Rome. You can't do this." Yeah, yeah. And and the the judge says something to the effect like, "You sound like you're a Christian," and he goes. 
well, I am. And, and they send him off to martyrdom, <laughs> oh too. So it's kind of crazy. And, and it depended on the judge, really. It wow. depended. I mean, uh, there's this, this is later, but there's this uh, Pliny the Younger who mm -hmm. sends this uh, note uh, to uh, a magistrate saying, I got this Christian on my hands. What am I supposed to do with him? Yeah. Kind of, so even later on, like in the, in the 100s, uh, they weren't sure what they're going to do. But the most famous one, which uh, you can look this up, we won't have time to get into it in detail, was there was a, a, a woman by the name of uh, Vibia Perpetua yeah. uh, from uh, 181 to 203 uh, AD, and she was 23-year-old mother of a newborn who was an elite class, lived in Carthage. Who else do we know from Carthage, Ben? I don't, I don't know. Uh, Augustus. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. North yeah, Africa, yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. And, 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 you, you, mean, you mean Augustine? Augustine. Oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah, yes. not Augustus. Augustine. Yes, Augustus was Caesar. Sorry. <laughs> well, he, it's, listen to the Caesar in her time. It was Caesar Septimus Severus. Oh, wow. And then, that's a weird one. But Septimus anyway, Severus. Yeah, is that he, Professor Snape? <laughs> yes. There was a certain amount of uh, level of... Uh, of uh, persecutions during his time too that went empire wide, but but the reality is is that uh, her family begged her not to. She, she just said, "I can't deny that I'm a Christian. I yeah, will not yeah, deny yeah. Christ." And she winds up being uh, persecuted. It, it, I mean, uh, martyred. She, she, it's a, a tremendous story, um, and you can check it out. Uh, probably the best place I've seen it described and well written is in Sitzer's book that we keep bringing up. The water from a deep well. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that brings us up to, okay, what, but what, what about, um, you know, Caesar's calling for empire-wide persecutions yeah. and, and, and martyrs? Uh, there were basically three major waves of that. I'm not saying that persecutions didn't happen and people didn't die uh, for being Christians along the way, sure. but that was more sporadic, according to to Stark, and uh, less and planned. Th yeah, this is a this is like state organized yes. persecution, which is like w when people talk about persecution and oh, persecution's coming for Christians today. They yeah. always think of state organized. Persecution, but it took a while to get yes. there, and it was a, um, a a very surprising thing that occurred. Yes, right? there yeah. were. I'll say this: I was going to hold this, but this will help make sense of what we're going to see. There were a lot of Romans who would come to authorities and say, "Really, you're yeah. going to kill this person?" Right. I mean, I thought Roman was Rome was open. They pride themselves for being open and diverse and letting people. It's sort of like they tried to pretend that they could handle what the Persians and the Seleucids and those people had done that we mentioned last podcast. So yeah. I just refer people to that because we already had mentioned that. But um, the first big one was uh, by the famous person, the big, nasty, mean uh, insane. Caesar. Insane. <laughs> Caesar who killed Peter and Paul, Nero. Yeah. So in the summer of 64, uh, here's the part, uh, parents, if you got children in the car. Uh, sometimes he would uh, light his garden parties with Christians who were uh, on poles, conscious, but covered in wax and then lit on fire. Oh, my goodness. Well, what kind of party could that be? Yeah, I mean, what a nut job. Try, trying yeah. to pretend like you're having fun. And there, had, yeah. and, and there were apparently, oh. you know, even Roman commanders that were at these parties and whatever, yes, sir, yes, sir. But they would go, what are you doing, you yeah, insane nut crazy. job? And uh, he, he also sent a few uh, Christians to the Roman Colosseum to be eaten by animals while down. That was the beginning of that. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, it was horrific, but it was not common as commonplace as we think. But he killed Peter and Paul in Vatican Square, as we know it today. Uh, but even that couldn't stop the movement, what he was trying to do. And he, of course, famously, we did this in a podcast a, a while ago. Yeah. I'm not going to, so I won't bring you detail, but he needed somebody to blame for a fire that he started in 64 yeah. that burned a whole, you know, like two thirds of Rome. But he needed, he didn't want people to, they, he, he did it because he wanted people to like him and need him. <laughs> And 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 he didn't want them to think it was disaster. him. I yeah, mean, he wow. never admitted it. There was yeah, him, yeah, but yeah. we're pretty sure it was him. Um, the, he he never admitted it, so he blamed it on the Jews, but especially on the Christians. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And and I I like that you point out that the movement just keeps growing. Yes. And and it's interesting. The more the Christians would get persecuted, the more yeah. the the more they would spread. It's like um, the friend of the show, friend of the podcast. The early church father Tertullian, yeah, <laughs> or as you, you do, as, you as sometimes we refer to him as Turts. Well, you do, <laughs> <laughs> good old Turts. Uh, he uh, he famously said the blood, and he's 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 a uh, he's in the like one hundreds to two hundreds, yes, A.D. So he's around this time. He said famously, the blood of the martyr martyrs is the seed of the church. Yes. Basically saying like we we the more you kill us and squash us, actually, the more the movement grows yeah. somehow, which it's is It's kind of like amazing. trying to put out a fire by beating it with a stick, yeah. right? The sparks go everywhere. Yeah. So that's the first big wave of uh, persecutions and, just, and martyrdom. Sorry, just to point yeah. out, uh, it has always been true. I, I don't want to overstate this because I don't think persecution is ever a good thing, but it has always been true that persecution however official or unofficial or big or small has actually been very healthy yeah. for the church it hasn't it, been a good thing necessarily because no. people get hurt but yes. but it has been healthy for the the church and its growth and as far as yeah. the the movement of jesus goes it doesn't stop anything yeah in fact it, ten, it tends to um to really help people dig down deep into the roots of their faith and yeah. and grow personally as well as yes. uh, in numbers. Yes. Yeah. And what happened in that day happens from time to time today. Some of the non-believers were so shocked yeah. that they started to look into what are these people about anyway. Yeah. In the second big wave then, uh, it was pretty... But between 64 and 249... Wow. Uh, attacks on Christians were sporadic and episodic. They weren't like uh, empire-wide. Yeah, that's a long time of yes. relative peace. Yeah. But then it amps up through uh, several Caesars, and it comes back um, with a guy named Diocletian in 303. But let's let's start with uh, 249. Uh, seemingly due to the pushback of non-Christians about why this was happening because they viewed their society as open. And again, as we said, yeah. that, that's why it's sort of episodic. But uh, with the emperor uh, Decius in uh, 249, he initiates this empire-wide persecution of Christians, yeah. and he wanted to force everyone to sacrifice to the old gods. So that's this is a theme you're going to hear again. Yeah. They wanted to get back to the Roman uh, gods of Juno and so forth and so on. Right. And is that because uh, yeah. they're trying to consolidate power or bring bring back the might of Rome of the yeah, early days? And... I think to some degree they actually think that no wonder we're having problems, you know, because they, they were starting to have, get you know, whipped on by the Goths and stuff by this point. They weren't mm -hmm. winning every single battle anymore. And uh, so I think there was some that, of that. Is that but the title of your next historical academic book, Whooped on by the Goths? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a really good... Wait, wait, so we're not trying to be academic, Ben. We're trying I to know. be, you know, his, Christian story for the people. That's yeah. right, that's right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, not that I could anyway. But 
uh, they, they, the other part of it was, yeah, they just wanted control. Yeah. And so as a result, many Christian bishops were brought in, persecuted, and martyred. Uh, the Roman gar- gods apparently weren't impressed because when uh, Decius led his army out uh, back to another Goth invasion, he was killed and his Roman legions were annihilated. Wow. So that brings up a new Caesar who was, was a Valerian who dis, uh, succeeded uh, Decius, uh, and that was in 253. He continued the persecutions and killed and tortured many uh, Christians. And in 260, none of them, uh, none of those people came to a worse end than he did. So, you mean, again, you mean like the, the emperor himself? Yes. Oh. Uh, he, he made a really bad decision to march east and meet the Persians to try and beat that threat head on. Yeah. Because nobody had been able to do it before. So he himself went. Yeah. So okay. apparently he kind of overextended himself because that was a way over there in like, yeah, you know, yeah, Iraq yeah. and all that kind of stuff in Iran area uh, today. He loses the battle. He's taken prisoner. And get this. This Okay. Uh, parents, be careful of this one. In, in Persia, he he's tortured. Uh, himself by the Persians, and when he died, they stuffed his skin in a straw and they put him in a temple as a trophy. Oh my word! So, really bad idea to you know reach out. So nobody answers the clue phone. In fact, uh, Valerian's <laughs> son uh, Gallienus. Uh, in 260 to 268. Uh, all these people are just like, they're Caesar for just a few years, but yeah. they seem to th- follow the same path over and over again. Yeah. And, and uh, like so many other Caesars, uh, from Julius Caesar on Gallienus, uh, who had already ruled uh, beside his father, uh, sort of they overlapped a little bit, he was killed by the army because they hated his guts. <laughs> but, but not before he repealed all of his father's anti-Christian policies. Okay, so he puts a pause to the yeah. official persecution. In fact, coins of that time show that his wife was a Christian. Oh, wow. So that kind of makes sense. But then it's kind of, you know, again, sporadic and quiet, but that's for about 40, you know, about 33 years until uh, 303 and the third wave hits. hits and this Diocletian guy... Oh, he was uh, bad. Yes. And and like Decius, he sought to fa- the favor of the gods, so he puts this back in. And once again, Christians refuse, because by this time, man, it's all over the empire, and the Christianity's out of the box now. And uh, he persecutes them uh, severely. Bur- uh, churches are destroyed. Scriptures are burned. Uh, you know, remember, they didn't have, like, parchment, uh, a whole bunch of parchments. They just had copies of letters and, and gospels and so right. forth. So it, that was really tough. Uh, it was illegal to free a Christian slave. Wow. Uh, there were arrests and tortures and brutal executions. And all told, 3,000 Christian leaders and prominent members died, and thousands of others were sentenced to slavery. This wow. is across the empire. And this was particularly curious because Diocletian's wife and daughter were also Christians. Uh-oh. I mean, just crazy. Sounds like some uh, some domestic tensions yes. being played out on yes. the civic scale. So that's Holy 303. Cow. But then again, uh, 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 two years later, one of his uh, main lieutenants, a guy named Galerius, uh, Galerius, Galerius, um, he succeeds him because, again, uh, Diocletian's taken out. 
I mean, <laughs> oh, my two word. years of chaos and yeah, then yeah, Diocletian. Yeah. And then on his deathbed, uh, Galerius uh, revokes all the anti-Christian decrees that was likely helped, uh, that he, he likely helped write during Diocletian's reign. So he was he was complicit in all those decrees, yes. but then he repeals them. Yes. Okay. Uh, he m- must have seen that it was a bad idea or something. And uh, But he grumbled that the, the persecutions had been ineffective and then ordered all the Christians to pray for him <laughs> <laughs> as he's dying. Uh, uh, yeah. I think I might have been wrong about yeah. this Christian thing. Would you guys yeah. mind praying for me? <laughs> Stark says, some probably did. <laughs> so, uh, and then 303, uh, when the great persecution and prompted by uh, Galerius began, um, back, you know, uh, two years before, or I mean, by this time, 311, it was uh, uh, in 303, so uh, eight years before, um, Christians already made up about two-thirds of the citizens of the Roman Empire. Wow. And they were soon to make up the majority of everyone in the empire. And so, um, or sorry, they made up two-thirds of the city of Rome. Wow. And the, the empire two pretty thirds. soon. Two-thirds. Yeah. They Holy were the cow. majority pretty soon of the entire empire. But in 312, after Galerius, um, all of a sudden, Constantine comes to, to uh, the throne to, to Caesar, become Caesar. Yeah. And he won the, the battle of the Malivrian Bridge. Uh, we, we don't have time to get into that. Uh, but... Uh, he seizes the throne and he declares his conversion to Christianity because his wife already was. And he put, you know, crosses. The story yeah. is he put crosses on his shields because he had a dream. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll be a Christian. And um, except for Julian, the apostate, a few years later, his like grandson or uh, nephew or something like that. Uh, we called it, we we did a thing on Julian the Apostate sometime. Yeah, we mentioned yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every emperor since then was Christian okay. until the, the complete fall he, of Constantinople. Even in even in uh, the what we would call the Byzantine Empire, but they called they themselves called the uh, the Roman Empire. Yes, all the way up into like the sixth century. Yes, all the emperors and em- empresses were all Christian. Yeah. Even yeah. up you know until the fall of Constantinople. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so. Christianization of Rome was complete, and Christianity went everywhere. And uh, here's what Stark says about that uh, moment. He says, the persecutions were over. In part, they failed because Romans mistakenly thought that the way to destroy the church was from the top down, that if deprived of their leaders, the rank and file would fall away. This probably would have destroyed pagan temples, but among Christians, behind every leader stood a line of members ready to step up into the role. (laughs) In any case, the imperial persecutions came too late. Christianity had become too big to be stopped. Wow. And uh, the, uh, you know, back to, you know, why... Why? Uh, what was it about this, uh, the Christian movement, the Jesus movement, that wanted, Rome wanted to put it to a stop? Sitzer has four reasons why they uh, really felt threatened by Christianity. Uh, one is they viewed Christians as strange and a threatening cult. Huh. Uh, and the second one is that they Christians lived lives that passed implicit judgment on Rome and their moral judgment, you know, like, because they refused to do certain things. Yeah. Uh, they cho- refused to, you know, participate in, you know, even the the gladio- ga- gladiator uh, gladiator games or the, you know, the you know sacrificing of people to wild animals and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then the Christian allegiance to uh, the which Lord. Is, sorry, which yeah. is interesting because one of the 
things that stuck out the most was the Christians' uh, opposition to violence, yeah. public violence, and, and the, the cult of violence that was Rome. Yes. Whereas today, we, we tend to think of sexual ethics, yes. but we don't often think much about violence as yes. being part of the Christian testimony that we are not violent people. Well, and yeah. Christians cared for the pro, the poor. Yeah. Uh, the Romans thought the poor were weak. Yeah. Christians yeah. cared for people that were sick. The Romans thought that they were cursed by the gods. Yeah. I mean, so they're the ones that stayed around the plagues, as we said in another podcast, that sort of thing. But so number, th- so it was, uh, they were a cult uh, that their very lives passed judgment on Rome. The third reason was Christian allegiance to the Lordship of Christ threatened Rome's Hegemony or the control of everything, yeah. you know, threatened the Caesar because wait, no, 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 wait, well, I'm the Lord because yeah, yeah, you know yeah. there was the Caesar cult. But finally, this is interesting. The early Christians viewed their faith as ultimately and exclusively true, which threatened the popular pluralism of that day of, you know, the Roman pantheon. But all sure, come in with your Eastern stuff from the Persians. Come yeah. in with your this or that, you know. Um, so those four reasons were how he saw it happening. And sort of the so what for us today, uh, particularly from this, these last two podcasts, I think, is that the impact is still strong today of what these men and women did. And the prophecy of Jesus about the mustard seed, the kingdom growing like a mustard seed or yeast, mm-hmm. it came, became true from less than 200 people that seemed so easy to put down it, it conquered the empire in 300 years. Yeah. I mean, you could say it conquered it sooner than that because there's so much of Rome became Christian. Yeah. Um, and, and, and did it without uh, force or political deals or like, you know, b- backroom uh, alliances, but with, with this sort of grassroots, ground up, sort of a- yes. authentic movement of people who are genu- genuinely convinced. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The other thing I think that, for me anyway, a strong uh, so what is, I think all of this story, if you take it in large part, I mean, part of our problem is is that our lives are so daily, you know? Yeah. It's all we can see is what's right here in front of our face. But uh, I I would say that's part of why we do the These Days podcast, to pull back the lens just a little bit. Oh, yes, Ben. I'm glad you said that, because that's exactly right. But... uh, I think the prophecy of Galatians 4, of Paul's first letter in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, when he says, when the set time had fully come, uh, God sent his son born of a woman. I mean, uh, have you ever wondered why God put him into that, that era, that time, that cultural moment, that moment of history, that part of the story? I mean, when the time had fully come, you mean God's got a calendar and he said, okay, that's when it's going to happen. And why did it happen then? I think we're starting to see that this was the perfect time for just God to sweep the empire, sweep the world the way uh, that uh, he knew that he wanted to do it. Not with big military campaigns, but one life at a time and one life at a time and one life at a time until it just sweeps through the whole empire and ultimately the world. So I think that is... We owe a lot to these saints. Uh, we also uh, can see that maybe our time, uh, he's still doing the same thing. So, great. That's what I got. I think that's great. Good. Yeah. I think it might be that time. Uh, what time? That time for books and, and stuff. Books and stuff. You got anything you want to? No, go ahead. Uh, well, I would just say um, 
Rodney Stark's book, uh, he's got a chapter on what we've talked about here, so it's not the entire book, but uh, How the West Was Won, The Neglected Story of the Triumph of Modernity. And one of the things about Stark uh, I found out, this was his uh, one of his latest books from 2014. Uh, you know, he can, tends to sort of repeat some of his material. So if you've read one book, you're probably going to read some more of it. But there's always new stuff. And uh, sure. so this is a good one, too. So you might want to check that out. Uh, the other one, other thing I would say is that this is an interesting one. I just ran across this. This just happened this week as we're recording this podcast. Uh, there's a woman by the name of Becky Little that does this article on the History Channel. So we're not saying that the History Channel is a Christian channel. Right. Uh, it's not. But or from even a, in some cases, a very historically accurate Yes, channel. yes. But from uh, sort of an outside the Christian world historian's point of view, yeah. there's this article called Five Ways Christianity Spread Through Ancient Rome. And hmm. it's pretty good. That is interesting. Uh, and it's, uh, it's on the com, uh, And you can look it up. Five Ways Christianity Spread Through the Ancient World. And the, uh, the scholar's name is Becky Little. Great. So that's what I got. I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening today, everybody. And uh, we're going to go up out of the bunker and actually go outside and warm up now because the it's air conditioning is. It's not Not to you know, tell you all about our problems. <laughs> too, anyway, too hot, too cold, too yes, hot. Yes. We hope you have a very nice summery day if you're listening in the summary and a very nice day even if you're not. All right. Uh, with that, we'll be going now. Thank you.